Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. Rochester Today on Tuesday. I'm Andy Brownell with, of course, Tom Ostrom. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Andrew. Good to see you. You too with your fisherman's shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going fishing. I just like the shirts, okay? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, it's a fashion statement. Yeah. Or lack or lack of fashion statement. Oh, oh, How's that? How's that? It looks good. <laughs> All right. So what's in the mailbag today? <laughs> uh source unknown, but a listener sent it. It's a photograph of Re- Representative Omar. And uh and they've put uh, captions on it and says, In my country, Somalia, I was forced to keep my mouth shut. But here in America, I'm free to talk trash about this country in hopes I can change it to a country where I'm forced to keep my mouth shut. (laughs) (laughs) And then another one from the same uh, uh, source. It's a a cartoonist named Pat, and I can't read his last name. It's from the College Fix, and a listener sent this. Uh, Dave sent it. A little boy's looking up at his mother. Mom, what's the difference between a woman and a birthing person? (laughs) And mom says, a woman is created by God. A birthing person is created by your ignorant, woke teacher's brain. (laughs) That was on the college fix? Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. Yep. Actually, the the latest one now, Tom, for that description of a mother would be a person with capacity to give birth. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that something? Well, and then this one from Arnie or Arnold. Um, he's a retired IBMer and he was in the U.S. Army at Chaplain's Corps. And he enjoys the show. And he sent uh, a photograph, actual, of John Kennedy and Dwight Eisenhower standing side by side, and and it says, when real Democrats and Republicans were running our country, we didn't hate each other. We didn't vote for parties. We voted for ideas that came from both sides. We didn't label ideas or parties as racist, sexist, un-American. We did what we thought was best for the people, and we were a united country. And Arnie said, uh, this is what's happening. I don't know if it'll ever improve uh, or we'll get back to the good old days or if unfortunately these are the good old days and it'll get worse. Yeah. How about that? I could, uh, I'll, later on in the program, I'll bring up something along those lines. I read an essay over the weekend I thought was pretty telling. Well, why don't you now, Andy, make sure we don't forget. Well, okay, if I can think of it, I wasn't planning to, but that person's note kind of prompted it and uh it was a article that stated that the positions presented by pro-trump supporters and anti-trump people are basically the same the arguments and and this person's statement was that in both cases the folks involved in this debate are denying reality as they move forward and as he pointed to the pro-Trump camp, mm-hmm. this writer said that the denial of the results of the election and the continued um, push for unproven narratives 
was the one side of the camp and then pointed to the other side on the left side that the pursuit of all these different impeachment cases, Russia Gate, uh, the Russian collusion conspiracy, and now Mar-a-Lago shows the detachment from reality on the left that they're going to somehow find the quote-unquote silver bullet that will erase Donald Trump from their memory and any need to deal with them. And uh, the person writing this was lamenting that it used to be the debates in this country were over the ideas presented by the two different sides. And, uh, you know, found fault with Trump, obviously, and actually had some pretty uh, pointed uh, negative descriptors for Trump. And I, and that was part of the argument this person presented was that those who are so enamored with Donald Trump ignore that there are quite a few people in this country who do not like the man at all. Mm-hmm. Maybe they even agree with some of his policies, but they do not like the guy at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of the coin, that they're ignoring that the policies they keep presenting to people in this country, the majority of people do not like at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that uh, this current fixation that we're in is is more or less an unhealthy fixation. I wish I could paraphrase it better than I did. I wasn't expecting to, but it more or less was lamenting the idea that uh, in previous times, our election process was more focused on the ideology and the philosophies of the two different camps rather than the personalities. And that may not, may or not be completely true either, but it was just an interesting point. Well, it is, and it shows the complexity of, of the issues and the people and the personalities and the philosophies. And with that estimation, it seems uh, irresolvable. Or not. Or we could be optimistic and uh, from this mess and the... I guess the displeasure that the American people seem to be expressing about this mess because all the polls seem to show that a vast majority of Americans feel the country is headed in the wrong direction, mm-hmm. that somebody will step into that fray and uh, try to bring forward a representation based more upon not their own personality or their own um, desire for power. That seems kind of naive when I say it, <laughs> but uh, but the country's greater good. Well, that's interesting, and uh, it is. When you said your last sentence, uh, the issue is exactly that: both sides thirst for power and claim an absolute necessity for that power to save the nation. Yeah, and uh, and we're stuck right now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't see a way out of it the way it is currently. And and it seems as if the people who write the big checks who fund these very, very expensive campaigns, because that is probably part of the problem. The campaigns have become so expensive uh, to run even a congressional campaign. You're talking millions and millions and millions of dollars. And it's getting to the point where if you were to run for a state position in the legislature, you're going to have to be ready with many tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of dollars to run a campaign. And the people who want to write these checks or the ability to write these checks to fund these campaigns seem to be, um, uh, I, I don't like to use the word extreme because that, that's bandied about way too much now. It seems as if if you express any opinion at all anymore, one side or another is going to label, label you an extremist. But, um, um, oh, I don't know. When I say either further to the right or further to the left than mainstream America would likely be. 
it's about as diplomatic as I can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then add to the campaign expenses, the outside money that comes to states from other interest groups, yeah. so-called PACs, and you just wonder who's getting what for their money and who's being ignored. Yeah, and what kind of what kind of influence that gets you? What yeah. kind of promises have to be made in order to receive that kind of funding? Mm-hmm. Well, well we didn't fix anything, but we surely pointed out a lot of the problems. Well, we did, and uh, <laughs> that shows the complexity of of it. And it, uh, I don't know if knowing that should make us positive or negative. Uh, Hmm. Well, you look at the both the examples that um, the Eisenhower and Kennedy. Neither, I firmly believe, neither one of them could either. I don't think they could be nominated by their party today. I don't think there's any way. No. And I, I, I have my doubts that an Abe Lincoln could be nominated, but he, you know, he had a hard time being nominated by his party back in the 1860s as well, 1850s. Yeah, sure, so. Sure. Yeah. Anything else in the mailbag since we went completely off the trail? We'll we'll cut the mailbag off. Uh, uh, <laughs> the packages that you added to the bag uh, are more than sufficient. Thank you. All right. Well, then we'll take a break. And <laughs> we'll come back in a moment with more of Rochester Today. Tom Ostrom's here. I'm Andy Brownell on Rochester's News Talk, 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Introducing the 2022 Rochester Golf Club. Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk, 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. It is Rochester Today on a Tuesday. We're back, Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom. What do you want to start with today, Tom? Minnesota News, uh, Evan uh, Stambaugh, uh, and uh, a Minnesota family physician who accused Republican gubernatorial candidate Dr. Scott Jensen of being unethical and non-evidence-based practices family medicine. Her name is Dr. Rosemarie Leslie, and uh, she's a content creator on TikTok, and she really goes after her physician colleague Jensen. And uh, she's in favor of uh, puber- uh, puberty blockers and hormone therapy. Uh, well, Jensen calls it child abuse. And she said it's vital to the health care of, of children. And she hates uh, Jensen. Um, and she she's uh, the web, her web page is, uh, is it Alina Health or Alina Health? A-L-L-I-N-A? Uh, that's who she's employed by, Alina. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And her, her specialty is family medicine. Um, and then she's encouraging teenagers to check with their state health department website to see if they can get these health care uh, uh, opportunities without the knowledge of their parents. And then she, because she's famous on TikTok uh, and videos, uh, she's calling people who criticize her as agents of disinformation. Uh, she says Scott Jensen should lose his medical license. He's a COVID denier, and I've gotten him censored on social media, and we've gotten him kicked off uh, TikTok. Uh, and she's after Jensen for uh, treating patients with Invermectin, and Jensen said that worked, but because Trump endorsed it, of course, it became uh, evil, uh, and doctors for, uh, stopped uh, 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 prescribing it, but she's after uh, Jensen and thinks he's evil, and uh, but and she's in favor of all this 
therapy and surgery on kids and how to do it without their parents' consent. And she's, she's in so-called family practice. Okay, a couple things on that. I, I think she... W- <laughs> I don't think she withdrew her statements, but she withdrew her social media posts about those topics that you're talking about because of the controversy that the coverage of it was generating. She kind of ducked her head underground as <laughs> the pushback came her way. And she uh, was among those, apparently because she admitted it uh, on social media, apparently that she was among those who were behind the complaints to the medical practices board that resulted in the investigations of uh, the Republican gubernatorial candidate, Scott Jensen. And, uh, oh, there was one other point. I was, oh, ivermectin. That's my other point. There was a new study out. There have been multiple studies now, Tom, that have shown large scale studies that have shown that it, it really didn't work. That it, it really was anecdotal evidence that the large scale studies showed no appreciable difference between people who received it and didn't receive it as far as the risk of developing serious illness from COVID. Well, the Fox News medical expert, uh, Siegel, he said, I used it. I used it on my father and I saved his life and I've been blackballed for saying it. Yeah, but that's anecdotal. That's that well, is anecdotal. But he's a that's phys- one person saying this. Uh, well, anecdotal is a story. And, uh, well, it is a story. I'm just saying that in the time that since this great controversy occurred at the beginning of the pandemic, where a lot of the fussing was going on, they did launch some very large scale studies and the results of them are starting to trickle in. One of them was the University of Minnesota study. This latest one was out of Germany, I think, and they're basically finding the same thing. It really wasn't an effective treatment. I've also read that some of these studies have been uh, uh, skewed by people who've ignored evidence so they could have the conclusion they wanted because this whole mess was so politically correct and so vicious, uh, the demonizing of, of different factions and and the cover-up of the damage that some of these COVID vaccines really did and the categorization manifestations to change it. I, I don't even believe uh, anybody anymore. Burks uh, even said uh, they deliberately misled people and Trump and in their public uh, utterances to control the narrative. So I'm so suspicious, Andy. I'm getting more cynical every day. But uh, <laughs> well, you're not you're not the only one, Tom. And I'm not going to chide you for it either. I I can't believe how often when I get a chance to socialize with people, especially the COVID topic, people go, "I just don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to." That's because, right. <laughs> be, well, because because of the very same same things you're saying is that um, the politicization of it, the almost over-the-top responses to things that did occur during that. And then the, now we're finding out, you know, the CDC has admitted they mishandled this whole thing and are going through a reorganization. And coincidentally, Fauci is retiring, by the way. You know, does that is that connected? I mean, it, it has created a situation where people have a very difficult time believing anything that they hear. Sure. And that was power too. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, the library, uh, the director of the Minnesota library system is defending her decision to keep a sexually graphic children's book on the shelves, saying it would be censorship to remove the title. And Andy, I have a list of the topics that are in that book 
and this is a family show, I wouldn't even read the topic. Thank in. you. Thank you. Gosh. Uh, and uh, and so people are after her. And after the, there was a Cambridge, Minnesota meeting about these things and uh, uh, meeting of library board directors, what to do with these things. And one of the books is so graphic, Andy, that I don't even understand some of the words and the pictures. And the book is titled, It's Perfectly Normal. And so people are uh, after these uh, people. And, and one lady who has a, a mixed race child uh, said, I'm tired of what the schools are teaching. I'm tired of these things. Uh, the children don't know what to be or what to do anymore. Uh, you've got children who have to be told to wash their hands. They can't get that straight to learn these physiological things. She said, it's ridiculous what the schools are doing. And, and, and she said, why can't they take, she said at a meeting, why don't you take these books out of the children's section? I'm not for censorship and put it in the adult section. They shouldn't yeah. even be looking at these things. So the well, culture wars go on, Andy. Well, you, that person I think brought up a common sense solution to this. If a parent thinks it's so important for their child to read this book, they can go pursue it themselves and give access to it to their child, but it doesn't have to be generally available, easily available to all the children. Um, I, I think, yeah, there's a brewing war over this. So you mentioned the cultural war, but I think it's even deeper than that, Tom. I, more and more um, reading I do on this and discussions, it's a, it's a war over the sexualization of children, I think. Mm -hmm. that why not these young kids who have no concept of this need to be exposed to it at that age? Now, I understand once you reach puberty or even a little bit before puberty, you better start having some discussions about this or you're going to have a whole bunch of problems. But we're talking kindergartners here, first graders, second graders, third graders. And I heard, um, uh, was it Keith Ellison who, who was uh, attacking the law in Florida that was enacted regarding the discussions of these sorts of topics amongst the young children. And I think he was asked about it and went on, you know, that this was protecting the freedom of these kindergartners to choose who they're going to be and what they're going to do. And I, and I, I it's like, you're talking about kindergartners here. I mean, you're not talking about fifth and sixth uh, graders. You're talking about kindergartners here. Right. There is and, a big difference. Andy, I think this is grooming for uh, pedophilia, the, the uh, man-boy love association. I think they're setting the way for that. And oh. I'm surprised how many educators aren't concerned about it. Or I think I think most educators are too sensible to go along with this. But even physicians, let alone educators, are afraid to speak up. The psychiatrists and the uh, I think I think the mob, the fear of the mob, has people absolutely unwilling to get into these topics. Well, it's a minefield. Trust me, you know, it is, Tom. I mean, people just the idea of having a discussion or debate over this, people are going to be labeled, you know, once again extremists and say extremist point of view or a, a hateful, a hateful point of view or. Um, I don't, I don't know. And I think it does. It has a chilling effect on the discussion of what I think is a pretty important uh, matter to be discussed as far as the education of our nation's children, especially these young guys, young gals and girls, boys yeah. and girls who yeah. at that at that point in their life, guess what? Let them be kids. 
And Scott Jensen said that uh, the physicians and the agencies that want to take his license away, that's, you know, they, they want to punish anybody that disagrees, even in the medical profession uh, with with these things. So physicians and psychologists, even if they disagree, and psychiatrists, they're afraid to, to speak up. It's just, well, a, it's, it's just a censor, censor state. We do need to, uh, we might have to continue Minnesota news discussions after the news break. We're getting deep into the weeds, so we have to take a break before we completely we mess up the Minnesota, clock. We can put some of this in the Minnesota category for next time, too. Andy. Okay. We'll take a break, though. Tom Ostrom's here. I'm Andy Brownell, and we will return on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. My mom is a breast cancer survivor. Tuesday, T.O. is here. <laughs> I'm Andy Brownell. Tom, what do you, what do you want to move on to next? John Solomon is an award-winning uh, investigative reporter, and he is the founder of Just the News, uh, a website uh, that has, of course, the conservative slant on everything. But investigative journalism, mystery solved. The Department of Justice secretly thwarted the release of Russia documents that were declassified by Trump. Trump declassified documents that showed the Justice Department and the FBI uh, abuses during the Russian collusion probe and how they stacked the deck to blame Trump falsely for that. And you had Hillary funded uh, machinations too in the FISA report. And, and the evidence is the Justice Department, uh, Trump declassified that so the public could read it. And then the Justice Department slow rolled it until he got out of office. And, and uh, they say uh, the, the further accusations is the FBI agents that went to Trump's Mar-a-Lago were those that were involved in this and some uh, agents that have been chastised by uh, 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 Durham, the U.S. attorney that's investigating uh, FBI uh, 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 errors and politics and that some of those very agents that are on the chopping block for that uh, were the ones that went to Mar-a-Lago because they were trying to find evidence that Trump had on them to get rid of it. And that's why the warrant is so generally stated. That comes out of just the news. And then I have other articles okay. too. I have a question though. So if Trump declassified those documents that Solomon was talking about, they should be accessible through the Freedom of Information Act at this point. Well, the FBI was ordered to release those documents to the public. And they didn't do it until Trump was out of office. They still haven't done it. Uh, and Senator Grassley is on track for some of that too, and he 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 agrees that uh, that that's what was done. The DOJ and FBI defiance of a presidential order to release the documents about their politicization uh, of the uh, Russia conspiracy theory. Okay. They, they said they hid the documents uh, from publication. Uh, when the FOI, the Freedom of Information Act process, was uh, was engaged, and uh, and they have a name for a couple of agents by name who were involved in it and who were at Mar-a-Lago. So uh, I do know there was an accusation or a report. That's a better way to say it. A report that one of the agents involved in the Mar-a-Lago operation was um, the person who spearheaded the case against the four men who were charged with conspiracy to commit the 
kidnapping of the governor of Michigan. Oh, jeez. And so two of those guys were acquitted. <laughs> and I think the other one, they're retrying him right now, I think. If, I, if my memory serves me correct, because it was a hung jury for two of the defendants and two of them were acquitted. And okay, so no, this is all. And once again, it's a lack of information about what's really going on here, and it's really, really frustrating. Um, the DOJ saying it's going to take us. I mean, essentially, they're saying it's going to take us a long, long, long time to go through and catalog all these documents to determine the classification status of what was seized. I'm, you took eleven boxes. Uh, it's not that large of a stash of papers. You, If you put the resources to it, you could do that in a matter of hours. You could go through those papers. It, it, it doesn't seem plausible to me that it would take this much time to answer. Well, the judge now has put a deadline for the uh, DOJ to respond to the request by Trump to release the affidavits in support of the warrant, which are really the telling aspect of it, sure. because that's where it is. You get the details of what's actually being alleged. And so far, DOJ has not responded, but sure. we'll see and if it gets extended I, or not. I think it's Thursday. And another judge has said the affidavits can be released, but the DOJ has the authority to redact sensitive information. Well, you know what they're going to redact? The things they want to cover up. Yeah, but I think they have to justify those to the judge at some level, and I don't know how that will. Yeah. Have to justify the Pfizer warrant too, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and 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 they and you know, and people wonder where conspiracy theories come from. Yeah, and the they come from a lack of information, a lack of accountability, a lack of transparency. But also from, from corrupt federal bureaucrats. And people say, don't criticize the FBI, hardworking agents on the street risk their lives. Yeah, we're not talking about them. We're talking about the political appointees, the administrators at the top that are so politicized. And and the red state has more on the report that the FBI unit at Mar-a-Lago uh, was, was trying to get information uh, to conceal from the Russia probe, how wrong they were about that. And this is from Red State. Intel officials were leaking to Newsweek that the FBI was looking for documents related to the Russian hoax. And the journalist Paul Sperry targeted this and he was booted from Twitter. But then he dropped a bombshell on some other uh, websites like Getter. And, and it's coming across this crossfire hurricane that FBI agents were involved in to destroy Trump. That was their first get him out of the campaign, then get him out of the White House, Peter Strzok and others. Strzok was fired from the FBI for it, but some people who were involved in it weren't fired. And they're involved in these things and they covered up for the Hillary campaign because she financed the investigations and the dossier. And here this FBI agent, Auten, Auten, uh, is, is named again in this, and a brave 27-year-old FBI veteran, Michael Basil, uh, uh, Biasolo, said, I don't understand why they have some of these agents on these cases. They should be substituted if people are really concerned about getting honest information out. And so, yeah, and, and Grassley said, I got whistleblowers coming to me, Senator Grassley, Representative uh, uh, Jordan of Ohio said, well, I've got them too. And if we get back to Congress, uh, we're going to do some uh, uh, accountability. Well, why if, can't we hear about the whistleblowers now? Why do we have to wait for Well, that? the committees that deal with these things are Democrat controlled. 
Well, they can hold a news conference. They're not they're not obligated to And the left wing media won't cover what they say. <laughs> okay. You got an answer for me every time, Tom. <laughs> well, you got questions for me. <laughs> It's frustrating. As a person who wants to know what is really happening, this is extraordinarily frustrating. And I remember, and this is what scares me a little bit about all of this, when I joke about conspiracy theories, is that um, when the whole Russiagate thing erupted and uh, Trump made his claim that Trump Towers, uh, Trump Tower, had, you know, he had been wiretapped and bugged. And everybody said, oh, that's preposterous. Yeah, There's yeah. no way that would have happened. And yeah. it did. Sure. I mean, they said, well, we didn't wiretap Trump himself, but you wiretapped his close associates who he was communicating with all the time. It's pretty much the same thing. So anything else we cover before we take a break here? Well, the Daily Signal is a reputable uh, investigative site, too. And uh, an article here on how much time we got, I'll be brief. Oh, go ahead, a minute or so. Um, the Daily Signal is covering how the Democrats' uh, IRS expansion with these armed agents uh, is will be empowering the ruling elites to target Americans, and especially the pro-Trump Americans uh, and those that criticize government. We're hearing that we shouldn't criticize the government, and now the liberals are saying we shouldn't criticize police, i.e. FBI, but they've had a mission of defunding police for crying out loud. But now <laughs> now the mantra is to criticize the government makes you unpatriotic. And uh, uh. <laughs> media allies uh, uh, insist the IRS expansion is to monitor the rich, uh, not to go after the middle class. And uh, Senator Mike Crapo, of, uh, Republican of Idaho, said... Uh, he put the Democrats on the spot. He offered an amendment to the Senate bill stipulating that the new IRS funding uh, should specifically say that those making less than 400000 a year shouldn't be targeted. But um, that's most of the nation not being targeted. And the Democrats voted that down anyway. Right. And I, I saw a great article about this that showed what the language of the the actual law says and about the appropriation of this money for the enforcement side of the IRS operations. And you have the IRS spokesperson got before the cameras and basically said the exact opposite that, oh no, this is going to, you know, we're going to hire more customer relations and it'll be IT support and it'll be all this. And it, it clearly allocates, you know, most of it for enforcement activity, a little bit for IT and a little bit for customer service. And so it was, you know, come on. And then and then the business of, well, that the right wingers have overblown the case about the armed IRS agent. And uh, there's a small fraction of IRS agents that carry arms. It's like 2,500 of them. It was, it, it's not a small number. I mean, it, it's it's not... It's not the majority of FBI agents, or no, I'm sorry, IRS agents. It's still a specialized unit within the IRS that carries a sidearm or other weaponry, but it's still over 2,000 of them. It's not a, it's not like five or six. It's a, quite a few. Wow. Okay. I think if I'm not mistaken, I'm not good with numbers. I'm going to get in trouble. I think the New York City Police Department 
I, I better not quote numbers. Better not. We but better that's take our break. It's comparative to some big city police departments. Yeah. All right. So we'll take a break. We'll return in a moment with more of Rochester Today with Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Hi, it's Andy Brownell. Are you, like so many others, wanting to improve? With Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Hi, it's Andy Brownell with Tom Ostrom, Rochester Today, Tuesday morning. This is where we usually cover some international stuff, as we like to say, Tom. What do you... What do you want to start with? Well, uh, the Gateway uh, Pundit uh, is covering Serbian farmers. Serbia is part of Yugoslavia. It was part of Yugoslavia. Now it's a country like Bosnia and Herzegovina and all that. But angry Serbian farmers are also protesting the globalists and government policies that threaten their livelihoods and threaten to take their land. And so they had, and there's some pretty good looking tractors here. Uh, in Serbia, riding down the street, blocking uh, traffic, going after government bureaucrats that are threatening to close them down because of environmental fears and uh, rising fuel prices, and uh, and uh, they're dissatisfied with that, that and the low purchase power of some of the products that they grow, and so uh, another group of agrarians fighting the globalists and the green folks, Andy. Okay, so I, I'll try to keep this really short. I saw another article that was um, bringing up the argument, which I've read numerous times previously, that um, basically that globalism saved the world. Um, that post-World War II, it was the globalists and their trade agreements and uh, a variety of educational exchanges and reduced border controls that led to the wealth that we enjoy today and many, 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 many years of stability. And as I read the article, I, the more I thought looking in the rearview mirror, Tom, that it really wasn't the globalism aspect of it because the, it's, you know, the ultimate creation of the globalists was the United Nations. Yeah. It, was, it was the Cold War that provided the stability. The standoff between the United States and the Soviet Union kind of kept all these simmering regional conflicts off the table. They they were areas where the United States and the West could uh, be in conflict with the Soviet Union and China, but because of mutual assured mass destruction and the, the nature of the Cold War, they were never allowed to get super hot. And now that we, you know, with the 1989 and the fall of the Berlin Wall and everything that followed... Um, the power vacuum that it created in many parts of the world, southwestern Asia, particularly in Africa, have uh, allowed a lot of these regional conflicts to erupt and, and become far more, I guess, risky to the rest of the world than they were previously. And I'm not a proponent of the Cold War. Don't misunderstand me. It's, I'm being a Monday morning quarterback looking in the rearview mirror as just an observation. Well, the mutually assured destruction that kept Russia and the United States or the Soviet Union, the United States at balance, and then their power governed the world. Uh, the UN, right, was were globalists. Uh, and you see how useless that organization is. Uh, they're ineffective, uh, but big power politics, uh, right. Uh, and well, then, the, go ahead. The Ukraine, the Ukraine war might be the best example of the 
inability of the United Nations to do anything really concrete because that's exactly what it was designed for was to prevent those kind of conflicts from occurring and carrying the risk of a global conflict and yet didn't stop the Russians one bit. No. No. The Russians took advantage of that. Of course, the Russians are on the Security Council, too, so they can block just about anything from the inceptions of the UN, you know, uh, and talk about big power politics. Uh, uh, after Nancy Pelosi left Taiwan and the China uh, politicians were so furious, so they threatened Taiwan and they enclosed it with their military and their Navy and threatened to cut off its uh, exports and everything. Well, so then a congressional delegation went to Taiwan after Nancy did, and, and President Xi and others are even more angry. But in spite of that, the U.S. and Taiwan are going to hold diplomatic talks and trade talks as China escalates its rhetoric. So uh, that's blossoming uh, in the South China Sea. <laughs> All right, Tom, we have about two minutes to chat. Anything else you want to cover before we have to say so long today? Well, a drone strike hit Russia's Black Sea Fleet in the Ukraine, and the Ukrainian weaponry has kind of kept the U.S. or the Russian Navy at bay uh, in the Black Sea. Uh, But what happened, too, Putin had a dear friend and top aide uh, who was a hawk and helped him galvanize support for the war. And that man's daughter was killed in Moscow in an automobile explosion. Uh, the official whose name I've forgotten took a car away from uh, from a conference instead of going with his daughter. And his daughter drove Putin's friend's car home and it blew up. And uh, how how uh, insurrectionists got to that car and killed this woman. That's a real blow to Putin and to this man. Uh, yes. As, as the Ukraine war looks stalemated. Well, in the aftermath of that car bombing or apparent car bombing, I read some articles that there are people speaking out within Russia that that and, uh, you know, the continued stalemate and returning soldiers with the stories that they tell uh, is having an impact on support for this war in the motherland, as they say, and then in the attacking Crimea, which is a key vacation spot for well-to-do Russians and political leaders, uh, yeah, that kind of had a psychological impact perhaps as well, that Mm -hmm. uh, anti-aircraft artillery firing into the air uh, over the beaches Mm -hmm. where people are sunbathing, uh, those who hold, probably hold power within Russia. uh, Yeah, so... Yeah, I, I don't know long term what it means, but it, it it has to have an impact at some level. Mm-hmm. You're right. That- Crimea, Crimea is a vacation vacation spot. It has a climate, Mediterranean climate, like Italy and like California. So yes, it is a great vacation spot for those Russians who live through the winters that they have. <laughs> well, we have to run, so we'll do this again on Thursday. I look forward to it, Tom. Mm-hmm. Bye bye. All right, Tom Ostrom, I'm Andy Brownell, and this is News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everything.